Welcome to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill, and I'll be leading you on this adventure. We'll be getting into deep discussions about classic records, profiles on up-and-coming bands, and interviews with your favorite artists. You can check out new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. Released on April 23rd, 1996 on Relapse Records, Through Silver and Blood by Neurosis was the perfect storm of emotional intensity, brooding heaviness, and sonic impact. In many ways, it was a snapshot of a great band at the height of their power. Randy and I got together to discuss not only how important Through Silver and Blood was to us individually, but how important it was to extreme music as a creative culture. Did you know that Neurosis has been a band for 33 years? I did not realize they were a band for that long until uh, we just started talking about it now, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, and a more or less consistent output of music by them, too. Yeah, absolutely. There's no big uh, periods of uh, them lying dormant, not putting out albums. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been pretty much releasing everything, you know, records on a fairly steady basis for the entire time. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, and they started out way different than they are now. And there's a whole uh, sort of bandwidth, I think, of material if you look at their career as a whole. Because even the newer material sounds different than what they were doing in their mid-period, too, I think. I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think they're different from record to record. There's a noticeable difference, I think, from record to record, although a lot of people disagree with me on that. Some people... People I know say their later records kind of all have a very similar path, which I see that, but I still hear differences in those records. Yeah, I think you can group them, though, into different sort of uh, you know, chapters, if you will. The first couple of records they released are definitely leaning more towards that UK crust punk sort of vibe, you know, a la Amoebics, Discharge, like that kind of thing. The period after that, which would be Enemy of the Sun and Souls at Zero, and the record that we're talking about today, uh, Through Silver and Blood, they definitely, I, I feel like, create another chapter, and then the subsequent records after that, creating their own stories, their own parts of the neurosis sort of narrative. I would agree with that, definitely. Yeah. Definitely breaking those periods up with those records. That's exactly how I see it as well. Yeah, you know. Totally. So... um I think a lot of people will cite Through Silver and Blood as one of their most significant records, I think. I think it's their most significant record. Uh, It's my favorite record they've ever done. It's definitely my favorite, for sure. And it took me a long time to realize that, too, because, um, you know, for many years, I was just like, oh, I love all their albums. I love them all, you know. And then as time went by, I found myself gravitating more and more towards uh, Through Silver and Blood. Yeah, even though, I mean, I got into Neurosis through Souls at Zero, yeah, which had a huge impact on me. Uh, but none of their albums have had an impact on me, like through Silver and Blood. Actually, I found out about Neurosis through um, a girlfriend of a former bandmate of mine. Okay. Um, this lady, Rachel Kaiserman, who used to do uh, Abuse Fanzine in Boston. And... Um, 
you know, when, when her and my former bandmate were together, she would, you know, hang out at the house and talk about these bands. And she had a great um, sort of uh, overview of music. And uh, she was, you know, friends with Neurosis and also Crash Worship, a band that sort of like faded into obscurity in the last you know, two decades, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with the name for sure. I can't say I'm familiar with their music. Yeah, Crash Worship and like are more similar to like what Tribes and Neurot do. Oh, all right. You know, just actually they have a split that Rachel put out on her abuse as part of her abuse fanzine. And, really? Uh, yeah, Tribes and Neurot and Crash Worship. I never knew that existed. Yeah. Right. Cool. And it's, um, you know, they're, they're like uh, experimental. Um, you know, they, they worked with visuals, uh, a lot of heavy percussion. They created a lot of the same sort of like, uh, you know, drum drumming, I when I whenever I think of neurosis and the drumming and the um, you know, and the tribes of neurot stuff with the drumming, I think of like sweat lodges and this kind of very ritualistic, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, you know, vibe. You sure. Know, this like very primal, you know, kind of thing, and that's kind of what Crash Worship did. Okay. You know, but anyway, I don't want to get too far off on that. Well, I'll have to uh, investigate them. Yeah. I so so Rachel was the one that actually was like, oh, you, if you like these bands buzz oven and you know unsane and stuff like that right you need to check out this band neurosis and it was around the time you were talking about you know like enemy of the sun like that era like yeah. early 90s yeah. kind of thing and i was completely altered after i'd heard those records definitely and then you know a few years after i'd been into the band for a while through silver and blood came out so um so in the time frame that we're talking about the record was released on april 23rd 1996 and it clocks in at 70 minutes and 32 seconds, which is long for a record to come out during that era. Yes, definitely. And a couple firsts here. Um, that was the first record uh, that they put out on Relapse Records. Yep. And uh, the two preceding records uh, that, you know, the aforementioned Enemy of the Sun and Souls at Zero were on the uh, seminal punk label Alternative Tentacles, which... You know, brought us uh, No Means No, Dead Kennedys, Zini Giva, I think, has a record on, on Alternative Tentacles. A few, I think, a yeah. A few. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dead and Gone. Dead and Gone. One of our favorites. Yeah, that, another, another they, who actually figure into this story. Yes, the Bay Area band. Yeah, they figure into this, they do. this story here. Sure. Um, you know, and then, of course, Neurot got the license. Neurot, which is the Neurosis label and company. Um they got the licenses back for all these records and everything has been re-released on their own imprint. Also, it was the, uh, the first um, record that Noah Landis played on. Yep. You know, he joined the band in 95 and he replaced uh, Simon McElroy. Yes. Uh, as a synth noise electronics guy. So on this record, the lineup would, is Scott Kelly, guitar and vocals and percussion. Steven Von Till, guitar, vocals and percussion. Uh, Noah Landis on keyboards and synths. Dave Edwardson, bass guitar backing vocals. Jason Roeder on drums and Pete Inc. Visuals. That's interesting that you you mentioned Pete Inc. Visuals as a member of the band because yeah. I think that's important. It is because they always considered him, from what I gather, a member of the band and not just a guy who did visuals. Well, my, my uh, impressions of, of what Neurosis was in the early 90s 
or you know the beginning years of the band was that they were very much like this like really tight-knit like group of people like a family yeah as and cliche as that may as be to say exactly you know and and, uh, and pete inc uh you know his his visual representation of the material i think was sort of like tightly connected to what inspired the music itself you know what i mean i agree i agree yeah um and anyone who's seen Neurosis back in those days, you could not walk into a venue without noticing the structure that was in the back of the venue. Pete Inks scaffolding yep. with his, you know, with his film gear up there and projectors and all that stuff. Like it was a whole thing. Right. It wasn't just like some dude plugging in a lap. You know, no, no offense to anyone who, who does this. Technology is technology. Yeah. But like the way Pete Ink did that was like a whole art form to itself. It was very a very crucial ingredient to the live show. It like it was a hands-on analog thing, right? You could see it, hear it, smell it, kind of thing. Yeah, like it was nothing ominous about it. Like it was a thing happening. Yeah, it was. You know? It was all like done with film, right? And like you were saying, it's not just a laptop playing an MP4, you know. Right. Which is like you know, hey, we're not disparaging that, but it's. Let's also give credit to the time and effort and intention that right. Pete Inc. put into this thing where it was like, right. you know, obviously something that he was very passionate about and something that was meaningful to him to go through these lengths to bring that kind of presentation to people, you know. So that, you know, that's uh, something I feel like that sort of exemplifies neurosis in general is like intention. Yes. You know, there's definitely an intention behind their music and... um you know, I've always had the feeling that even even if they, I mean, they're they're a you know a, a very uh, successful band by most accounts, but I've I, I always felt that that was almost like a like a secondary thing with those guys. I think they would have been happy just playing at uh, Gilman Street, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, and yeah. just do which you know the DIY venues and just doing things their own way. You know. Yeah, definitely. And then in a, in a weird way, after in the later years where we are now, they kind of do. You know, they started their own label, kind of akin to the way back in the old early punk rock days, SST records or Discord records, you know, um, they they kind of do that themselves now. I mean, you know, they have management, booking agents and stuff like that, but they're, as far as releasing their music, it's self-sufficient pretty yeah, much at this point. definitely. You know, and, and it's um, the commitment of touring and whatever is very much just connected to what they're what they want to do and how it fits in with their lives as opposed to like okay here's the touring cycle for the new release we're doing PR and like how most records come out like there's a whole game plan that involves like you know PR people like labels and managers and all this other sort of stuff and i think neurosis kind of eschews that to have control over it themselves and be able to scale it back and live their lives and have you know, family time and all this other stuff, you know? Yeah, it's a pretty awesome position to be in as a musician. Yeah. But in 1996, things were a lot different, though. Because <laughs> they, you know, they had signed a relapse. Uh, they recorded the record with Billy Anderson. And that was actually their last album to work with Billy Anderson. And, yes, it was. Um, you know, he was a very well-known guy back then in the Bay Area. He did, you know, Buzz Oven. He did a Melvin's record, I believe. He did. And, he, um, he did... Uh, Another seminal record, at least in my opinion, uh, Sleep Dope Smoker. Yep. You know, and, and he'd worked with Neurosis on a couple of releases prior to this, too. And uh, so, you know, that was the whole thing was like this 
experience that this Bay Area, California, you know, vibe, you know, and, and just the background of the, of the members in the bands, them coming out of that kind of East Bay, like punk scene. But then taking that sort of aesthetic, that ethos, I guess, and then incorporating all these other influences uh, and just creating something that's completely their own. Though Enemy of the Sun and Souls at Zero are great albums, I feel like they were almost the, the building blocks, the stepping stones to get to what they did on Through Silver and Blood. And that was the, the sort of climax, I think, of that movement in their career. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I, I think both those albums are amazing albums, but there's, there's something about Through Silver and Blood that it just... It's a, I mean, in my opinion, it's a perfect album. That was also the height of the band's commercial success, as well as a uh, a peak for I think uh, critical acclaim too. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And then the other interesting thing about that is the kind of where all the members were at in their personal lives around the making of what most people consider their best record. I'm guessing their most successful record commercially um, from their accounts, from interviews and. Uh, there are a lot of the guys in the band were in a pretty bad spot in their personal lives, battling things like addiction, being homeless, uh, you know, countless personal problems. And through that, they persevered to make what most people would, you know, think is their best record. Um, Von Till was quoted one time as saying, making that record was like a fucking railroad through hell. <laughs> Um, and all accounts of you know from the band members to say the time surrounding that was a very dark time for the band, and I think it really comes through in the record. Yeah, it's a bleak, gloomy record. Yes, you know, and uh, but with also like these flourishes of like you know beauty and not it's not just like a, a descent into darkness, you know, but there's also this very you know very beautiful parts of the record too, which I mean you know it's. It's a uh, it's a moving emotional album, and this morning I listened to it in, in in its entirety, and maybe you know it was a little early. I don't know. You know, I was it got I got emotional listening to it, especially uh, Locust Star. That's like the one song. I mean, I know, that, I know that's their hit. There's a video. Everyone like wants to hear and play that song. You're, you're not wrong in saying that, but I don't look at any any Neurosis song as a hit because I think they all stand on their own. I I get what you're saying. That's like the one that everyone, you know... That was the single. Yeah, it's like when you go see Neurosis, everyone wants it. Oh, yo, Locust Star, bro. You know, it's like... Right, right, That's right. when everyone starts going, you know, they're going nuts. Ah, oh, yeah, ah, you know. But, uh, you know, that's like there's a video for it. There's like, you know... It's it's the it's the track that a lot of people cite as being like, oh, they played Locust Star and they're set tonight, you know? And it's like... But the song's a great song. And for <laughs> me, it's one of my... One of the most powerfully emotional songs on the record. Yeah. Uh, absolutely and like you know what you said i listened to the record this morning as well and uh i mean this record came out in 1996 i don't think i've ever listened to this record since then without it evoking some sort of emotion yeah that's how powerful of a record it is to me and i think a lot of people um this record came out at a time in my life when uh it was uh in a lot of ways a pretty dark time yeah and uh I know it's cliche to say, but this record, I feel like, got me through a lot of dark times. So, I, it, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll share a story, too. I mean, I, I had 
you know, the tour, the, Neurosis was touring on this record, and they were on tour with I Hate God and Dead and Gone. Mm-hmm. And I was living in Boston, right? And I had gone through a breakup, and I wasn't really living anywhere. And I was staying with some friends over on Mission Hill. And, uh, you know, I had a job. I wasn't like, <laughs> I actually was working, but I just didn't have a place to live. So it happens. It happens sometimes, you know. It wasn't totally down and out. <laughs> but the, uh, but I was, you know, emotionally pretty distraught, you know, very dark moods. Uh, it was, a, you know, a very hard time for me, very difficult. And uh, Neurosis played at the Middle East downstairs. I don't, did you go to that show? I, Probably, right? I did not. Yeah. It's one of the few times I had missed them coming to New England because I had just started a new job and I couldn't get the night off. And I'm not happy about it, trust me, yeah. still to this day. So that was, um, that was on the schedule, and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to this. It's going to, you know, I've been having a really shitty week and i'm gonna go check out neurosis and uh that was the first night i actually heard dead and gone and now you know i was completely unaware of this band and they played first or there might have been an opener on before them i think but anyway dead and gone took the stage completely impressed by them bought their record that was out at the time on alternative tentacles god loves everybody but you and i felt yes. exact that's exactly how i felt that night that god loved everybody but me uh so they, they, I'm like, great, new band to get into, new band to follow, excited. I Hate God played, and to this day, that was probably the single best I Hate God show I'd ever seen. It was I Hate God in the mid-90s when they were like the most dangerous-looking, <laughs> completely like negative, powerful bands I've ever, you know, that was them in their heyday, really. Definitely. You know, um, Mike, Mike nine was like smashing beer bottles on the stage and, you know, throwing broken glass into the crowd. And it was just like, uh, you know, something was felt, you know what I mean? There yeah, was, man. you know, those guys are probably going through their own things. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure they were. I, I definitely seen, I got a few times yeah. in that, uh, around the, those years. And yes, it was, they were still awesome to this day, but there's just a different energy back then. Yeah. I mean, those guys probably have sorted out some stuff in their lives, but at the time, it's like, it was like, you know, outsiders, outsider men dealing with shit. That's what that night was about. Yeah. And uh, and the, when I was watching I Hate God play, I was like, man, neurosis is going on after these guys, and I'm like, they better. Yeah, you know, I'm like, I was like, I I felt like I was like, this this the show is cool is good. I'm good for tonight. You know right. What I mean? Right. Right. Like I felt like. I would just watched another band completely annihilate and like who goes on after that. Right. The answer to that question is neurosis does. Yeah. But and, uh, it's one of the few right answers to that. Question. Yeah. I mean, the only band that probably could have followed, I hate God that night was definitely neurosis. Yeah. And it was like, um, you know, they came out, I saw they had the drums set up on stage. They opened up at the web, Right. I mean, I I remember this, and I've seen Neurosis countless times, but I remember this night like it was yesterday. Was that the first time you've seen them? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. That was the first time I'd experienced them. And uh, I was in the crowd. I was standing like maybe one or two, two rows maybe back from Scott Kelly. And I was like, man, this is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was so emotional and heavy. And 
I felt every, every range of emotion, you know, sadness, anger, despair, you know, like everything, you know? Yeah. All at once, you know? And, and I remember that night, every, everyone, you know, it was like a, all these people were there that I knew. It was, it was cool, you know? And, uh, and then at the end of the show, I left the venue and it was like fucking pouring rain out. And it was just like one of the most like transcendental experiences ever. And then I went back to like this like shithole in the ghetto to go to sleep on the couch. <laughs> uh, I'm sure throughout this, we'll, we'll share probably a few more neurosis stories. But another, since you mentioned that they opened with the web, I had seen them maybe a year before that at the tune in in New Haven, which was the first time I had seen them. Their Silver and Blood was not out yet. They were still touring on Enemy of the Sun material. Um, but they also opened with the web. Yeah. And halfway through the song, the power in the club went out. And Scott Kelly took his Les Paul off, threw it at his amp. He didn't have a shirt on. <laughs> and he took his hands and he put them on each shoulder and he just ripped across his chest. Oh, man. It just opened himself up and like blood was coming down his chest it was the most intense like moving thing i had ever seen in my entire life uh you know and then the power came back on and they finished the show but just the first few seconds of the web that i mean without any of the other stuff happening just it was like a different it was a different feeling it was a different level and i had been to hundreds of shows before that yeah seen hundreds of bands before that but it was just a totally it was a different thing a different feeling and it was it was so intense it was insane yeah that that's that's what i mean like anyone out there will probably agree that neurosis a, a neurosis show was the greatest show they've ever seen <laughs> in addition to whatever any other bands they right. might have seen they have to have like a neurosis show in that list and that one particular night, i mean i mean they've been great every other time i've seen them you know what i mean and yeah totally but they that that one particular and we just saw him recently over in uh in france well that was another thing i was gonna say when you know you said how moved you were by locust star now we just seen him a few months ago so this is going on you know almost 30 years yeah. of me going to see them sure they closed with through silver and blood yep i remember that I was standing maybe right it was because of the 26 hours of <laughs> <laughs> not not sleeping or being tortured on you know the airplane or whatever but uh i was like uh, just like speechless it sounded so massive and so amazing uh you know years and years after that record has come out and it, it still was so and it moved i was moved then <laughs> a month ago or whenever we were over there uh they're just a different thing man yeah, definitely. And you know, the, the funny part about that thing in France at Hellfest when we went, you know, anyone out there, we, you know, we, we played uh, this festival out in France, Hellfest, and uh, we had a brutal travel day out there flying, you know, no sleep, time changes. And we got there the night before our set was, you know, the day before. And I almost didn't want to, I almost was like, man, I've seen Neurosis how many times? Like, I just want to go back to the hotel and I want to go to sleep. Me I, too. But I'm glad that uh, that Ryan, our driver, <laughs> the, one of the coolest dudes ever, one of the coolest dudes yeah. I met over in Europe, Ryan. Great guy. Great guy. Was like, no, 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 no. I think, we, I think we're going to go. Because he, he asked me when we were driving in the van. And he's like. Uh, oh, I, I heard him. Yeah, well, we, were, we were like maybe 20 minutes away from the grounds. 
And he's like, uh, do you want to go to the hotel? <laughs> and I'm like, well, do you want to go to the, the festival? And I'm like, I, I think I want to go to the hotel, man. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We go to the whole, we go to uh, the festival. And I'm like, uh, all right. Just for the record, don't think I wasn't listening to that conversation. <laughs> because when you said I want to go to the hotel and inside, I was like, yes. Yeah. And then when he said that, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but I I'm glad we went. So why? We went. And it was awesome. It was and, amazing. You know, yeah. once I guess once you know you get that second wind, you go there. You're, you know, all these people are there. You're like, you're, you know, you drive through the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you're on these like country roads and some. I don't. I still don't even know the name of the town that the festival was in. I still don't know if it even happened. <laughs> actually. And like you're driving, and then like suddenly you start seeing like thousands of people and cars and stuff on the side of the road and campsites and makeshift campsites and everything. It was crazy. And then you just start to, you know, you, you get into this vibe and you're like, oh, yeah, let's go watch some bands. And we caught the end of Watain, but then Neurosis was next. And I'm, I'm really glad we got a chance to see them again because it was, I almost, I feel I'm embarrassed to say that I wanted to go back to the hotel. I know, me too, because it was so like, we kind of just like wandered over there when they started playing. Yep. And then I was immediately like sucked in, despite all the, uh, the tomfoolery that was going on where we were trying to, you know, watch the roses. Yeah, I mean, there's like, for, for anyone that hasn't been to a European metal festival, people like to get wasted over there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, so there was late in the evening, you know, we, we were on the later side, the shady side of the night. And um, a lot of people were, were definitely lubricated, man. They were definitely, you know, deep into their revelry. Maybe even more so than the fact that it was just a European metal festival. I find that people like to get uh, that way when they're near me <laughs> anywhere at any venue that I've ever been to. They, they have a way of finding me. <laughs> the old guy that just wants to like, you know, trip out on the band. So during this period with when when Neurosis, um, this was like probably the biggest power move for them when it came to like touring and you know the live show sort of aspect of their career uh not so much like you know the intensity of them performing but they started doing these big tours you know and getting in front of people that normally wouldn't have ever seen them play you know what i mean this is like when they did that big pantera tour yes i i see them on a couple dates on that tour but it was the off dates it wasn't actually right. with pantera yeah but then they did Ozfest. Ozfest, they did that whole thing, and uh, which is bizarre. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, no, it's bizarre it, for nineteen ninety. You know what? Or whatever. Not 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 so much bizarre now. I kind of thought that, but then again, if I don't know if you remember, but a lot of bands that you just it was like Ozzy Osbourne and Slayer and Judas Priest, and then like bands that you really there was other bands on that in that era. I know the I think the Melvins. Yeah, it was like it. I know. I, I know this is apples and oranges, but like Earth Crisis played Ozfest too. Okay, yeah. You know? So I mean, it was like, yeah. I mean, I know they're much different than the Rosas, but also right. Earth Crisis to uh, to Ozzy <laughs> is not is the same. There's the same. It's equidistant as say Neurosis to Ozzy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I mean, there was a lot of like stuff like that going on. Uh, back maybe then. maybe it's more because of what you were saying earlier about Neurosis's background and their kind of uh, ties to the DIY punk scene, that it was strange for me 
to see them. And then I didn't, I didn't go to the Ozfest, but it was strange for me that they were even playing those settings. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like once again, I'll use, uh, I'll use earth crisis too, who also have an ideology associated with their music, you know? And, um, you know, it's, I always thought Earth Crisis would be a band that would just play all ages shows and like only, you know, no, like into the vegan straight edge like thing. And then now they're playing, you know, they were on Ozfest. They started doing like these big metal tours around that time. And they, you know, I guess that is around the time. Yeah, it was a time a when, it, when things started to change, maybe. Yeah, you know, like and, and, and maybe the thing is too, it's like, think about like, well, okay. I mean, at that point, Neurosis had been a band for a little bit over 10 years playing to the same people all the time right you know it's like okay we're gonna play gilman you know this guy <laughs> right, right, we're gonna play right. like i don't fault them at all yeah it's not my angle i i mean at all yeah. i just i found it strange at the time i just think that like it's good to fall into those mindsets and it, and you know also those guys in in when that record came out they're exiting their 20s right they were like becoming grown men as right. opposed to, you know, 20-year-old kid who's, like, the club mentality of, like, hardcore and punk was, like, is super important, you know, at that age group. And you're like, okay, you know, I, I just want to be around people that are like me. I just right. want to, you know, it's real important that I'm this thing, that I'm, in 10 years I'm going to be a different thing, you know. Right. And I feel like Neurosis, too, or like as in their, in their lives as mature adult men, we're thinking about, like, well, let's try to, like, you know, share – our artwork, our art, our music, our ideas with other people and sort of like face that like kind of like with an open mind because, um, you know, granted someone who's going to see Pantera is a different, has a different perspective than somebody who probably would have seen Neurosis in like 1994. Right. You know, and there's always that aspect of preaching to the choir, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. When you yeah. surround yourself with the same people all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I know, like, this is an interesting, not, not a very interesting story, actually, but, like, uh, back in, in those days, I was doing work at a studio, like a recording studio, and uh, I remember I had a Neurosis long sleeve on. And one of the bands, like, a lot, we had a lot of different kids going in that, that place, a lot of, like, you know, hardcore-type kids, and kids that were into like you know like uh your typical stuff around that time and um i remember i had the neurosis long sleeve on and the kid was like it's like oh yeah i just saw them with pantera and i was like huh like what do you think he's like man i never heard anything like that before it was like you know really cool so it was a positive uh reaction. yeah you know, and this is a kid who was like into like Blood for Blood and like Hate Breed and stuff like right, that. Right. And, you know, right. and he was like into like, you know, like the more obvious stuff, you know sure. what I mean? And, uh, but by them going on tour of Pantera, I'm not saying every kid had that same perspective, but I, I guarantee you there's, there was a few people that got turned on. I would say so. Something. I mean, the, the, there's such a powerful, and the live show is, is so powerful. Like, you, you know, even someone going there not really looking for that, I guarantee you it affected some people. Yeah. Uh, and, and it might not even be like that night. Like it might be the kind of thing where, you know, wow, I don't know what this is. I don't like it. I'm afraid of it. It makes me uncomfortable. But then like a month later, they might see Neurosis in a magazine or like on Terrorizer or whatever. And there's, oh yeah, there's that band I saw. And then right. you read the article and like, oh, okay. 
right. then you might a friend might turn you on you know oh yeah i, heard, I saw these guys with pantera and now it's like part of your vocabulary you know what yeah I mean? and then you slowly get into it sure so i think that you know it was a very commendable thing i think for them to do that it took a lot of courage because a lot of bands don't do that ever they just stay within their safe confines right 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 yeah well that's what i meant i mean i wasn't trying to dog on them for doing that at all i mean i would have did the same thing you know i, I think it's cool i mean more bands and people should a little be a little more open-minded to things like that yeah you know and also you know phil anselmo too really was someone in that period of time when he was in pantera kind of wielded a lot of power in the more commercial world of metal sure you know and, and similar to uh neurosis bringing them on on tour like i remember soiling green did did dates with uh pantera and like I hate, I hate god and he was always repping like you know crowbar and like yep all these like underground bands you know and he was someone though he was in a wildly successful commercial band always was very um keen on the underground stuff yeah like, he always yeah. knew about all the new bands and everything so it was like an interesting time when like bands that were definitely part of the underground were getting presented to mainstream people you right. know what i mean and to varying degrees of success i suppose yeah but uh, getting back real quick to um, actually real real quick, <laughs> that same T-shirt, that long, neurosis long sleeve, I still have it. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I wonder I if it's still, the same one I have. I still it probably it's that one that's like it's got the the designs on the sleeve. It has like the uh, the spiral on the front. It's got the the old school like neurosis like huge ass like logo. Yep. And on the back, it has this like weird serpent thing. Yeah, I think it's the same one. It's got to be. Yeah. It's like there. It's a classic T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's faded to shit, but I still have it, and it's still intact, and it still fits. They need to reprint some of those classic designs. Haven't they done that though? I don't think they've reprinted that one though. Yeah, yeah I that's think. that's I like know. a that's a that's a that's a legit shirt. Yeah. It's been, it was a long time ago. I, I've moved around a lot. I've I've grown a bit. I need a new one. Actually, I'm wearing the Rosa shirt right now. And it's the uh, through silver and ironically, and I didn't, even, dude, I didn't even do this on purpose. Yeah, man. sure. <laughs> I'm wearing the the through silver and blood album cover on the T-shirt. You are, isn't that funny? I didn't even actually realize. It. <laughs> I just grabbed it. I'm like, oh, I need a shirt. And I just grabbed this, and we were talking that about that. Is today. how powerful this record is. It operates on a subliminal level. It operates you. <laughs> so, um, about uh. We have to talk, definitely talk about Tribes and Neurot. Yeah. You know, because... This is around the time Tribes and Neurot really started to make a, an appearance as a, as a thing. Yeah. There, Sam, Through Silver and Blood came out sort of sandwiched between two Tribes of Neurot releases. Yeah, it did, but I'm not sure how many people knew there were of Tribes and Neurot or even knew that there was a release until after. Yeah. I believe the, one you're the second one you're talking about is called Silver Blood Transmission. That's correct. That's exactly the one I was going to make. Which is not a companion, I don't think, in theory, but it, it sort of is. But and there was a release before that. I didn't know about the release before that until after. Actually, the chronology is this. Silver Blood Transmission came out in 1995. Through Silver and Blood came out in 96. And that was um, you know, right away followed up by uh, a release called Locust Star. That was the four song EP thing. Yeah, they're right? they're both EPs. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, you might. You're, I'm a little off here with my train of thought with that. But yeah. I was. I became aware of Trabs and Neurot shortly after Through Silver and Blood came out. Yeah, me too. I mean, that was you know my friend Rachel once again is the one who turned me on to that because of uh, the split. The split that she put out with uh, Crash Worship. Now let me ask you this: When you heard Tribes and Neurot, was it what you were expecting, and did you like it? All right. Well. All right, let's put it this way. Okay, if somebody just handed me a, a cassette tape with no name on it and I put it on, I don't know if I would have liked it really. Right. And I'm being completely honest. Yeah. But because there's the uh, continuum of the neurosis sort of energy that permeates tribes of neurot, you know, and it's like one of these like sort of, um, you know, things where it's like when you observe, you know, like one of these, uh, you know, if you know about it, your mind sort of bends a little bit to accept sure. this information. That's a natural reaction. Yeah. It's like a quantum sort of like thing, I guess, where it's right. like if it, the, the particle reacts differently when it's being observed through certain instrumentation. So that's kind of like my mind being the instrumentation is modified because I know that it's already a, the guys in neurosis. Are in right. Which, so, which holds some water. Which holds definitely a lot of water with that. So... I've grown, let's put it this way, I've grown to appreciate it, you know, and those two releases, not not so much, but the one they did with with Times of Grace, the next album. Yeah, Grace. The, I the Grace EP, I think, is pretty powerful, though. So when I, I went into a uh, Newberry Comics, and once I was aware of Tribes in Neurot existed, and I bought Silver Blood Transmission, and I was, I couldn't wait. This was not a time when you could go on the internet sample things. Oh yeah, there was no internet at all. You just all. went and bought yeah. it. You spent thirteen ninety nine, yeah. and you went and bought it, and you hoped it was awesome. And I gotta say, me being honest, I was pretty disappointed. Waiting on my drive home, I drove an hour to go get it. Waiting for something neurosis like to happen to crush me, and it never really happened. So I was kind of let down with it. I didn't really know what to expect. It wasn't until a few years later, um, I, you know, I didn't get rid of the CD. I held yeah. on to it because I had to. Because <laughs> I knew subconsciously someday I would come back and appreciate this. And it was uh, when I was living in Boston and uh, I got turned on to the Trebs and Neurot Walking Time Bombs collaboration that I think... I, I don't even, I've never even heard that, actually. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. That, like... That changed my mind about it, and then I went back, and I totally appreciate Tribes of Neurot now. And I actually seen Tribes of Neurot perform at the second Beyond the Pale Fest, oh, cool. which was a festival curated by Neurosis. Yeah, and uh, they Neurosis played two nights in a row, and then Tribes of Neurot played the final night. It was like an ambient noise kind of night, and it was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. So, do I listen to their albums all the time? No. But I enjoy their albums, and the one time I've seen them live was fantastic. I've never seen them live. Um, but, you know, there's always, like, the urban legends around New York City where it's, like, Neurosis played at Coney Island High. And then and this, I don't even, if someone knows this to be true, please reach <laughs> out and back this up. But, you know, there's a lot of urban legends about people seeing shows that happened that may or may not have actually happened. The, the after party yeah. type shit. Well, the, the, the urban legend that I know, which I can't confirm or disprove, is that Neurosis played at Coney Island High, which they did, and I saw them there. They played with Unsane. And uh, this is like at some point in the 90s. 
And uh, and then after the show, they went over to Sea Squat, and they did like a full Tribes of Neurot like percussion, like drum circle, like everything, like at like two or three in the morning or something like that. That's a very believable yeah. thing. But I don't know anyone who was there. That's the thing. Right. You know what I mean? And it sounds like yeah, sure that could happen. You know, I like to think that happened actually. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I could see them doing that, especially back back in those days. Yeah, you know. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, we both love the band. So the next step now is, what, what are your top tracks on this record? Um, well, I mean, I, I really enjoy the whole record, obviously. It's probably a top three record of all time for me. Okay. If I had to pick, I would go with the title track, okay. track one, through mm-hmm. Silver and Blood. Extremely powerful song. Yes. Uh, I would go with track three, The Eye. Because when the, when the song kicks in from Rehumanize, the little segue track, track two, it's just so powerful. Um, I'm going to actually go Locust Star. I'm just not picking Locust Star because it's Locust Star, but it's an amazing song. The last track, Enclosure and Flame, has always been one of my favorite tracks on the record. And I think that's more so because of the live performance I've seen of that song a handful of times. That paired with Pete Inks' visuals Mm -hmm. was just the most devastatingly haunting thing I've ever seen in my life. So I've always gravitated to that track. So if I could pick four, I would pick Locust Star as number four. Awesome. You, once again, you and I are very close on this. I figured we would be. Yeah. Undeniably, through Silver and Blood, the title track is like one of the greatest songs ever written. <laughs> it's like the intro, everything, the way it moves, you yes. know, like it, it just creeps. It's like this ominous horde of destruction coming over the horizon at you. That's how, that's how the beginning of that song feels to me. Well, well put. You know? Yeah, it's it's a song unlike a lot of other songs I've ever heard. Yeah, you know, and it's it's like such a quintessential neurosis song. And for me, I have to put Locust Star because it is literally one of my favorite songs. It, it's a top ten song for me. Period. Period. Yeah. Yeah, and I also have the I have I. You do. Yeah. All right. But they did pack a lot of heavy hitters. Yeah. Up front on this record because the record does start to descend into longer songs. Mm-hmm. They're a little more out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And it, you know, the other thing with Through Silver and Blood has one of my favorite lyrics of all time. Don't crawl, seek his burn of war. When the fallout comes, he is fire. So fuck. I don't know what the man. fuck that means. And yeah. I don't care. Yeah. It means a hundred different things to me. And it, I just think it's amazing. And the way it's delivered on that record, it just sounds... When that like when he's singing that lyric, it sounds like someone's tearing him to pieces. It sounds so real, and so like vivid. It, it just it sends chills down my spine every time I hear that. And let's now let's just take a second and mention how the, some of the three of the most intense vocalists are in this band too. Oh, yeah, Stephen Von Till, Scott Kelly, and Dave Ed. You know, Dave Ed. One of the more unique sounding dudes out there, I think. Oh my god, that that is one of the things I miss in a lot of the newer neurosis neurosis material is that 
you know, he doesn't do as, much, as many vocals. Yeah. And I really miss, although he never contributed a ton of vocals, when he did, you knew it was him and it was, it, it made you pay attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And one of the nicest people I've ever met. David is a nice guy. Very nice guy. Yeah. So now, um, most of the music journalists, if you read, you know, as time goes by, time frames neurosis in this context that I think is like sort of a revisionist look back in history by saying that they're a the first post-metal band, whatever the hell that means. Yeah. I just think they, de- they defy classification. So do I. I don't think that's fair. I mean, I'll, you know, most labels aren't fair, but uh, yeah, I think they defy classification too. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I, but however though, they did spawn an entire legion of bands uh, that, you know, took what they did and ma- turned it into something different. Yes. Very influential band. Yeah. Very, very. So, I mean, I just wanted to acknowledge that, that, you know, there's like tons of bands out there that came after that, um, you know, took a lot of infer- influence and inspiration from Neurosis. And, you know, bands like, like for example, Isis, you know, the band Isis, um, you know, they wear that influence on their sleeves and they were able to create something completely unique unto themselves and they developed into something completely, you know, cool and different and interesting. Right. Uh, all those guys would tell you that they were hugely influenced by Neurosis, but especially on their f- the first couple of EPs, you can really hear it. But yeah. to their credit, as time went on, they became their own thing. And I don't think if you listen to like later Isis material... You can hear hints of neurosis, but it's not like as much as the early stuff was like heavily, heavily influenced by neurosis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, that's a little teaser. There's going to be some ISIS discussions on this podcast, like in the future. So, you know, I know that a lot of people, you know, love that band. That's and, what I hear. Uh, yeah. And um, they're good friends of ours, actually. And um, yeah, they are. And, uh, you know, they, and they have their place in the in the, you know, the tapestry of extreme music. Absolutely. Very, very important band. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. You've been listening to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio via web, iOS, or Android for one of the best metal communities in the world, exclusive interviews and merch, and so much more.